Good morning, everyone. We have our uh, RCIA class here, and uh, they're going to make good Catholics because none of them sat in the front row. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, today, what I want to uh, share and what I want to reflect with you about is the nature and the relationship between faith and doubt. We're going to work one other theme into that, but that's our main theme today. What all of us want in so many different ways and areas of life is we want certainty. And we, want, we want to know things for sure. And I'm no different from that, by the way. Uh, is something we all desire. And I think so many Christians in the world, they think, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I just want to be sure that you're real, and I want to be certain that that's what you want. And that's a common thing. People come to me a lot, and they ask that question. They say, Father Brian, you know, I'll do what God wants. Just, I just want to know what it is. Well, it reminds me, I was thinking this morning about this in my, my prayer time, that um, I remember back when you were in high school, and again, sorry, ladies, I can't really relate to your experience, but um, back when I was on the market, and um, <laughs> it was awesome, it was glorious, um, didn't work out too well, but, um, but when you're a guy, one of, the, one of the hardest things as a guy is working up the courage to ask a girl out. It's really difficult. And again, it's been since college, since I've done this. Uh, but I remember it was, just, it was such a difficult thing. And what you wanted was you wanted certainty. And you wanted to know for sure that the girl that you were going to ask out was going to say yes. And so we men have all kinds of ways of kind of hedging our bets with that. Uh, and again, on my mind on this, my thinking might still be like a high school brain, but I kind of feel like I still see it in adults, you know? You kind of like flirt with a girl and you make sure she kind of flirts back, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, you want certainty, you want to know. But the wild thing, and I think I, I'm aware of this enough, is that Women, I think, actually want the opposite. In the sense that they want a man who's willing to take a risk for them. When I was mentoring high school guys, uh, when I was in seminary, they often, they, it was so funny, they used to ask me for dating advice. They gave up on that after a while. But they, because I, I was mostly like, yeah, forget about the girl in your chemistry course. Like, you should probably just be thinking about God right now. Um, but one of the things I find admirable in young men is when they have the courage to not know the answer and to just have the courage to ask a girl out. To not dance around the issue, but to just say, you know, I, I like you. I think you're beautiful. I'd love to take you out for dinner. There's something beautiful about a direct kind of approach like that. What I'm driving at, brothers and sisters, is that our faith is something like that. You see, God is a lover. 
And he doesn't, he, faith is not a calculation. It's not something that you can sit down and find out ahead of time that everything will go as you plan and that you will have all the answers. And if I get that, then I will give my life to God. You see, God wants your heart. Now, your mind is important. You've heard me say that, I hope, over and over again, that there are really good questions people have, and the wonderful thing is that there are great answers. But faith does not just involve calculation. God does not want you to be smart and figure out the solution to whether or not he exists. He wants you to love him. And there's risk involved in that. And so a lot of people come to me and they, they oftentimes in the confessional, they'll say, you know, Father, bless me, I've sinned, I, I've had doubts. Is this real? Can I know that this is the right path? And, I, and what I want to say to you this morning and hear this is that I think, brothers and sisters, it's important at certain points in your Christian life that you do have doubts. And don't get me wrong, don't, I, I'm always worried that you're going to hear like one line from the sermon and that's the only line you're going to take home. Or you go home and like, gosh, my priest told me that it's all a lie. I did not say that. Okay. I did not say that. But my point is that a faith that risks itself will encounter doubts. I have had this I don't know how many times in my life. There's been moments in my life where I've said, Jesus, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> this is my life. This is my heart. What if I'm wrong? <laughs> what if it is kind of a nice fairy tale? And what if I missed out on life because of that? It's important we do that. But the key to it, brothers and sisters, is what you do with your doubts. Do you engage them? Do you pray more? Do you open your heart to God? If you have tough questions, guess what? There's amazing answers. But do you even pursue them? I think so many people, they, they encounter doubts in their faith, and they just have this kind of optimism that, well, maybe I'll just feel better in a little while. That's not faith. Faith is a surrender. Why do I bring all this up this morning? Today our gospel is in Matthew chapter 11. And so there's 28 chapters in Matthew's gospel, so we're a little ways in. And early on in Matthew's gospel, John the Baptist is convinced that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. He's convinced of that in chapter 3. But did you hear the gospel today? It says, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his disciples, by his disciples, and said to him, are you he who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In other words, John had doubts. And Jesus today calls him the greatest of all the prophets. And he questioned, is this really him? 
Is this really the one we've been waiting for? And there's a reason for that. There's a reason John doubted. John, in our gospel today, our gospel basically quotes our first reading. In our first reading from Isaiah 35, there's a prophecy about what's going to happen when the Messiah breaks into the world. What's it going to look like? And there's blind people who are going to see, and there's deaf people who are going to hear. The poor are going to have the, the good news, the gospel proclaimed to them. And that happens today. Jesus says, look, that's been fulfilled. But there's other prophecies in Isaiah about what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. And here's one of them. It's from Isaiah chapter 61. And Jesus quotes this very reading in Luke chapter 4 in his first sermon. Luke 61, 1 says this, the spirit, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Anointed means the Messiah. He has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And here's the key, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. John today, with his doubts, John knows this. He knows when the Messiah comes, part of his job is to free prisoners. And John's in prison. And shortly after our reading today, John will lose his life as a witness for the dignity of marriage. That's another homily. But John's not going to leave prison. He's going to die there. And here's my point, brothers and sisters. You and I question our faith when we suffer. When things are hard, we look at God and we say, is this real? Are you really who you say you are, Jesus? Are you really the one who can make my life as it should be? And I want to encourage you that that's a good thing to do if you open your heart to God and you dig deeper in your faith. People who do that, by the way, people who struggle with their faith, search for answers and open their heart to God, you know who those people are? They're the strongest Catholics in the world. Because when they dig deep inside themselves, when they search their minds and their hearts, they come back and they say, you know what, this is real. And it's hard right now. My heart hurts. I'm in a bad place in life. But they have faith. Okay, I want to tell you a story. Those of you who came to the Advent retreat, uh, I think it was last Saturday. This is a recycled story, so don't judge me. Um, oftentimes our prayers, this is bound up with the way we pray. We pray for normal things. We say, Lord, I want security, and I want to be healthy, and I want things to go well. Well, about a week and a half ago, I got a haircut, and it's always hard to tell because I don't have much left anyways. Um, but I went to a, a place nearby, and there was a, a Vietnamese woman who cut my hair, and she was Catholic, and she just got all excited when I came in in my collar, right? This is like not normal for you, but it is for me. 
right? And, but you never know why they're excited. It's like, it could be a Catholic who loves their faith. It could be someone who really dislikes Catholics and is excited to, like, banter with me. I mean, who knows what might happen. But anyway, she was really excited, and she was very, very sweet. And she reminded me of Monsignor Kwong because, and if you don't know this about Monsignor Kwong, the previous pastor, he escaped from Vietnam on a boat and almost died. And she had a very similar story, actually. Uh, but anyway, we were talking, and we got, a cot- got on belief and unbelief. And she told me, she said, Father, my brother lost his faith. He went through hard times, and he was praying to God, and God didn't answer his prayer. And she had a great solution. She said, I told my brother, God is way too busy for your prayers. <laughs> he said, and she was so sweet. I didn't want to correct her because I was like, you know, she's got scissors in my head, and I, I, it's not a good idea. But she said, she said, I told my brother, she said, there are billions of people. You think God has time for your prayers right now? She said, two to three years. Dead serious. She told me like four times during my haircut. It takes two to three years. You keep praying, in two to three years, God will answer your prayer. Right? And I thought, okay, so I'm going to mark my calendar for like the day I get an assistant priest. Uh, two to three years. She had wonderful deep faith, but she's wrong. And here's the deal. Here's why this relates. Brothers and sisters, God wants to turn that upside down. The problem with us and our faith when we pray and we say, Lord, I want things to go well, it's not that our requests are too big. It's not that God's too busy. It's that our requests are too small. They're far too small. And this is exactly what's going on with John the Baptist. Jesus today calls John the Baptist the greatest of the prophets. And what God did in his life, and think about that, all around him, great things are happening. People's lives are being changed. They're receiving miraculous healings. And John suffers in prison. But Jesus says he's the greatest. Not the blind man who had his sight restored, but the man in prison who will give his life for God. Why? Because here's what God wants to do. He wants to invite you to make your hope not about your own life. The deeper your faith is, brothers and sisters, the reason John can suffer The reason he can remain in prison is because John's hope is not merely that his life would go well. It's that Jesus Christ would redeem the world. And that's what God wants to do with Catholics. He wants to bless you, but he slowly wants you to look more and more like Jesus. True blessing is not merely things going well. People who are truly blessed are people who know that God is bigger than them and they live for something greater than themselves. John could suffer because his own story, his own comfort, his own happiness wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was the kingdom of God. That's faith. So it's very simple today. 
And there's so many things we could talk about more and more in these readings. But brothers and sisters, I do hope you struggle with your faith. If you have never struggled with your faith, I doubt you have ever surrendered anything difficult to God. We struggle when we are tested, and we're supposed to be tested. But what do you do with it? If you engage Jesus, if you look for answers and you, you give your heart and your mind, I don't know, I can't promise you what will happen, but I will tell you the reason that my faith has grown over the years is because I engaged. And I said, why do I believe what I believe? And in the midst of that, I found something beautiful, true, and good. And my hope, you know this about me, most days I feel like such a failure as a priest, but my hope is that slowly, slowly by the years as they go by, that slowly God will make me a little bit more like his son. That I'll care a little bit less about my security and my comfort and how things are going in my life, but that I would be willing to suffer for something bigger than myself. And so Jesus, today we thank you for the witness of John the Baptist. We thank you that faith is more than a calculation, but Jesus, that you're after our hearts and our minds and our very lives. And Lord, today... Lord, we ask you for faith.